0: Hi, I'm Eric Gurna, Executive Director of Development Without Limits, and this is Please Speak Freely, the podcast where we have honest conversations about youth development and education. Welcome again to Please Speak Freely. This is your host Eric Gurna of Development Without Limits. My guest today is Will Power, who is a playwright, performer, educator, storyteller, and a friend of mine. So welcome, Will.
1: Thank you. It's great to be here, man.
0: Uh, we, we were talking right before this that I, I usually um, I usually get people's I want to make sure I get people's title right, you know. And, and I said mm. to you, I, I don't know if you have a title exactly, <laughs> but um, maybe you could maybe you could tell us a little bit about about what you do.
1: Well, I um, I write plays and and musicals, so I'm a playwright. I am a performer um, with a foundation in theater and in hip-hop. I've done a lot in both of those areas, and I'm also an educator. I do a lot of teaching, a lot of workshops, both at um, schools, uh, high schools, a lot of university work, and also, you know, I, when I can, I try to have a mentor Young artists, young professional artists, social activists who may be anywhere from, you know, 17 through their 20s. Mm -hmm. Um, And those are the the kind of three main kind of things that I do.
0: And you've been doing a lot of work lately with with universities at the higher education. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Which has been really interesting and really exciting for me, you know, um, I've 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 been doing I've been engaging the university community for a while now. I think maybe a good like twelve thirteen years. But it started off more like a w- one workshop. I'd be doing a performance. It'd be like a workshop for the theater class mm-hmm. or you know something like that. Mm-hmm. And then it started being like a week. So I would come in for a week, you know, teach one group, and we would do a, like a work in progress after this like highly intensive this week one week intensive. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then about maybe about four or five years ago, it started to be more like. Uh, I would get, you know, some kind of fellowship or some kind of grant to work for a semester or, you know, like maybe like five weeks Uh and then like a semester. So I did that a couple of times, a couple of universities. That was cool. And then just this year, I got my first like one year appointment at UMass, which is a public school in Amherst, which has been quite exciting and also a real learning experience in a lot of different ways and how to balance um, you know, the opportunity that a university can give and also maybe the bureaucracy. Mm-hmm. That maybe is not one person's fault per se. Right. You know it's what I mean? But just the system and yeah. the in the institution. Right. But then also I've been learning how to like how to maneuver in that. And then so that's that and then I just got this opportunity to um, be on the faculty of Southern Methodist University down in Texas, which mm-hmm. I'm really excited about. And um, you know, I'll tell people how it is a year after this. But uh, yeah. the exciting thing is, is kind of like it's a good balance of being able to kind of be have the support and the resources of a university, um, do a lot of community work because the dean is really into that. Mm-hmm. They got this new dean of the arts there, and then also have a lot of flex. They're giving me a lot of flexibility, time flexibility to still travel and and time to write and that kind of stuff. So hopefully, it'd be a good balance of all those things.
0: Yeah, it sounds amazing. Yeah. It sounds like an amazing. Um, Opportunity, yeah, and it, it's
1: it, it's a, just real quick. It's an yeah. interesting thing because one thing I do love about the university is that you know you have these young people. They they kind of have their direction. You know what I mean? For the mm-hmm. most part, their direction might change, but they kind of have their direction, and so you kind of are working at this real artistically kind of deep level as far as like engaging people that are really open. They already know they're playwrights or theater artists, and um, and it's a real exciting thing. One of the challenges for me in that way sometimes though is I feel like you know. Is this where the real work needs to be done? I mean, the real work meaning like, do I need to go somewhere where it's a little bit more, you know, middle school, or a little more in the mm-hmm. neighborhood? You know what I mean?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and I do do that work as well. But that's always a, a kind of a conversation in, in my mind. Like, yeah. you know, like in some ways, a lot of people at the university are on their way. Now, they're still kind of art- trying to articulate their voice. Mm-hmm. So there's great, tr- tremendous potential there of help them to kind of find their authentic voice you know what I mean so they mm-hmm. go in the world but m- for the most part they're not going to be for the most part they're not going to be the ones that are going to be stricken with a lot of poverty you mm-hmm. know what I mean or not finding the way by the time they get to like a four year institution for the mm-hmm. most part so it's, a, it's an area I love but it's an area that's challenging in that way and I'm trying to figure out ways to kind of like how Paula Vogel does, where you you teach people, you, you're helping them to empower their voice as artists and activists. Mm-hmm. But then you kind of... You kind of giving them the torch to all; they then go into the communities. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So yeah. This idea of a teacher who teaches teachers, yeah. and using the university resources to do that. Mm-hmm. So that's something I'm really, really interested in, kind of looking at and furthering. You know,
0: but and this is in the theater program for the most part. Yeah, it's yeah. interesting that you talk about it as a teacher who teaches <clears throat> teachers, um, but it's not in the school of ed; it's not in the school of education that you're, no. that you're working in. That no, that so you see the, those theater, um, if they want to be directors or playwrights or even activists, you kind of see them as as teachers as well
1: absolutely yeah. absolutely, you know, and I feel like everyone is not going to necessarily go into you know, education as far as like a strict definition of it. Right. But how are you mentoring the next generation? It may be within just the confines of theater, but you're mm-hmm. really looking out for younger playwrights to help them articulate their voice. Mm-hmm. Or it may be on the front lines in demonstrations or whatever. You know what right. I mean? So it can come from different kind of ways, but I really want to try to help instill that that sense of responsibility in, into artists, you know, no matter how it manifests. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And
0: it's it's interesting to hear you talk about that. Um, for you, what can be maybe a little bit of an inner conflict or something around sort of like who you're focusing on, who you're working with, and mm-hmm. are, it, what I heard was like, are they the ones who may um, need your help the most, or, mm-hmm. or maybe that sounds a little bit patronizing, mm-hmm. I, but mm-hmm. but those who you most want to to have an impact on or help out, right? Um, and it so there's a there's a segue I'm, I'm making there because it reminds me of. Um, other conversations we have and the mm-hmm. original inspiration mm-hmm. for wanting to talk to you on please speak freely. Mm-hmm. Um, um, Cause there's a lot of ways that your work intersects with um, education and youth mm-hmm. development for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, what originally inspired me to ask you on please speak freely was, was more personal, mm-hmm. but it also had to do with, with some of those conflicts and just some, a lot of conversations that, that you and I have had mm-hmm. about how to make choices for our own children, for our mm-hmm. own families mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, and, um, (laughs) so I, you know, I, I had, I I mentioned to you an ongoing conversation. Yeah, well, (laughs) it probably, it probably should be right an ongoing conversation, but I mentioned to you that I have very little notes coming into this interview, but the one thing that I, well, that I remembered, I didn't even have to have a note on it was, um, that conversation that you and I have, um, have had since our, our, so our kids are the same age. You have, you have twins who Mm -hmm. are. Um, who just recently turned five, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and my mm-hmm. daughter um, is four and a half, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and we're both we both live here in a small town in Beacon, New York, mm-hmm. about um, seventy miles north of, north of New York City. That's right. Um, coincidentally, both come from the Bay Area as mm-hmm, well. Mm-hmm. Um, you from San Francisco, me from Oakland, but mm-hmm. um, so. Having kids around the same age, we have been sort of on parallel tracks in thinking and planning about what what to do, right? So even when when they were, I remember when they were little babies and we were hanging out we were talking about school (laughs) and and being in Beacon, it limits your choices. Being in a small town, um, Mm -hmm. not just Beacon, but it it limits your choices for our our friends and colleagues who are in New York City or or in the Bay Area. There's like a million options for where to send your kids to school, starting with even nursery school or, sure. or before that, you can, there's limited options, but there's right. still some options. Sure. Um, and so I guess, you know, the first thing, cause it is so personal. Um, do you mind talking about
1: that? No, this is great. This is actually really cool. I like okay. this. Yeah, this is very appropriate. Yeah. I don't get a chance to often talk or, you know, explore this uh, on the interviews. This is yeah, and, and it ties in, I think, what I do and also I, I feel does. what you do yeah. in your career and your creativity. So, I think it's good. You Definitely.
0: Know? So, um, maybe it'll help. I mean, if if you're cool talking yeah. about it, then I'll sort of describe sure. our situation yeah, here. Because, yeah, yeah. you know, um, it's not abstract for us at all. No, that's just, kids, this is good. You know? yeah. um, so, we have... Um, <coughs> For in, in Beacon, when you have little kids, like three, four years old, mm-hmm. the options are, um, you know, there's different nursery schools mm-hmm. and daycares, um, and there's one school that's just outside of town called mm-hmm. called Randolph, which mm-hmm. is goes from nursery school on up through fifth what? grade. Okay, I was going to yeah. say sixth grade, yeah, through right. fifth grade. So that, beca- that school becomes an option a little bit earlier than the mm-hmm. other elementary schools do. Um, and then this year, our kids are pre-K age, mm-hmm. um, and so the options are... Again, the sort of private nursery schools or daycare, because mm-hmm. pre-K is not mandatory. Mm-hmm. Um, we're lucky in our public schools here to have a pre-K, mm-hmm. um, short day, two and a half day pre-K mm-hmm. um, that is, that's in the public school where the kids will be, you know, um, probably continuing on, you know, mm-hmm. um, in that school, and then Randolph continues on, um, mm-hmm. and the the big choice amongst I think are peer group is Randolph or public school. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's a Montessori school. There's a couple other little yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. If you really want to commute, you can go to Poughkeepsie Day, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which is, to me, very far to commute yeah, for, yeah, yeah. for a little kid for
1: school. It's a good 35 minutes. Also, yeah. 30, 35 minutes. And Randolph That's is just way. about 10 minutes, 10-minute 10 10 10 drive.
0: Yeah, and yeah. Um, So, and we we made different choices at that level, mm-hmm. so that got us talking a lot, even yeah, early yeah. on, well, what will we do? Um, Randolph is... Um, considered to be very progressive mm-hmm. and creative, definitely sent, you know, um, youth centered. Mm-hmm. And it's not the kind of private school that gets kids doing, you know, college prep work at age four. It's very mm-hmm. much, um, I don't know exactly what they consider themselves, but certainly developmental, mm-hmm. not exactly Montessori, but in that sort of more right, holistic, right. holistic way. Yeah, that's yeah. what I would say. Holistic yeah. is what I think. Yeah. So I guess I, you know, um, we we both had to make the choice about whether to send our kids to Randolph or to public right. school. Um, so, what were you thinking when we were when you and your wife and you know friends were, were talking about that? What were the uh, you know conflicts that you were having or concerns that you had about the different options?
1: Well, initially the I the thing was where is the best place for our children overall? Mm-hmm. You know that I think you know every parent or most certainly most parents wrestle with. And there was, at the time, this was like about almost two years ago now, because they have been at Randolph School for two years. Right. Um, at the time, there was not one school that we felt was ideal for everything mm-hmm. that we wanted. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> we wanted holistic practices, something that was, you know, free <laughs> or very inexpensive, um, very ethnically and culturally diverse. We mm-hmm. wanted that. Um you know, small class sizes. Uh, you know, not the usual. You know, what you would think of traditional dogma. You know what I mean? You yeah. Know, things that didn't do test scoring, although that's not that relevant right now at this age. But that well, kind of
0: thing. I don't know. You'd be surprised. Okay. We can Talk about it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I <laughs> thought it was
1: third grade, but maybe yeah. maybe they start the actual think,
0: the actual official <laughs> tests are. But the culture.
1: Maybe they start. Yeah. So yeah. we didn't want that. You know. Yeah.
0: yeah.
1: We didn't want that. And um, yeah, so we're trying to figure it out. So we felt as parents. Overall, initially, the Randolph school was the one that had the most, the most, um, gave us the most positive energy as far as the overall things of what we wanted. Mm -hmm. It didn't have everything, it was not diverse at all. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, Initially. And it was expensive, not for what you get, but it was a private school. We had two. We had twins. Yeah. So, it was really tricky. So, we we decided to give that a a whirl. Mm -hmm. We loved it. We loved everything about it. We loved the way it supported our children and everything. And then, crazy enough... Through the year and in this year, the school start to get more diverse. Mm. Part of that was I have to give credit to my wife because she, you know, actually got a couple of people some scholarships. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like she was up in there like, you know, we got to make this more diverse and kind of working on that thing. Yeah. Obviously, if you're in public school and you're an active parent, you're working on it from another perspective. Maybe right. it's diverse, but it's something else now. You know what I mean? Right. So now it's I would say it's pretty diverse. I mean, you know, like in the downstairs where there's like maybe 18 or 19 children, it's divided up into three classrooms so there's like you know six children per class which is really great of mm-hmm. uh, the 1819 maybe there's like you know eight eight, nine children of color, something mm-hmm. like that. So it's about 40, 45% children yeah. of color now. Before, it literally was like maybe 15%. That's a huge jump. So we feel good about that. The main thing about it is just, you know, the price of it. You know, even though we get some financial aid, and I do pretty decent in my career, it's still a lot. You know what yeah. I mean? You need to do that. And ideally, the system should work in such that you pay school taxes and you send your kids to public school. Right. So that's kind of where we are now, you know. <clears throat> I had a, I had a little bit of... um. Not concerned, but just, you know, thoughts about as they get a little older, do I want it to be more not test driven, but a little more academically rigorous? You Mm -hmm. know, they learn so much, though. You know what I mean? So right now it was cool. I think the real interesting thing now is, like I said, you know, we're planning to move, make this move to Texas. Mm -hmm. Um, We'll be there for at least three years, maybe more. And so that's also been bringing up a lot of questions and I won't say arguments, but some real, you know, lively debates between my wife and I about what is the best situation, you know, because there there's a lot of people of color, but it's very segregated, Mm -hmm. you know, and. The one area that we – there's two areas we really like to live in. One area that the public schools are pretty good, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's just all that kind of balance. We went to this private school we really dug, but it wasn't diverse. And then there's one – you know what I mean? So you have to kind of balance yeah. all those things. So it's, it's tricky, you know. And I know that we, we talked about this a lot because I do a lot of work at public schools, you know. And it was kind of like – You know, part of me really wants them to go to public school. You know, I went to public school for the most part. Mm -hmm. You know, um, and this idea of like, you know, just a diverse education, you know, different cultures, that kind of thing. But also, I have to balance that with being a parent and saying, okay, what is the best? education i can give my children Mm -hmm. you know and if it's the public school then that's cool if it's not then i have to figure out if the if the private school is not that diverse i have to try to figure out how to give them a holistic education outside of school you know i mean Mm because i don't want them to be the coffee and the cream you know (laughs) you know but Mm -hmm. at the same time i want them to have i mean we went to this one school in dallas man it's called the lamplighter i mean it was like Randolph with like a, a gazillion dollar budget. I mean, it was yeah. crazy. Yeah. You know, and you know, this is a track. They're sending these, these kids are getting this track for Princeton, Harvard. I'm not saying that's the best. Right. It has to be that. But why shouldn't that be an option for a kid if he wants to? You know right. what I mean? Yeah. And so like, and it's just this holistic, like, you know, they're crafting leaders, you know? And so it's kind of like, I'm just thinking about all that, you know? Yeah. And the other thing is, and again, I hope I'm not getting too wordy here, but right. uh, verbose. But the other thing is, you know. And I was thinking about – I've been constantly thinking about this. And, of course, with the Trayvon Martin thing, it's just right there in front. But I've been thinking about this, you know, particularly for my my son. Mm -hmm. I mean, both of my children. But My son is like, as an African-American man, I want to give him all the tools and all the advantages – Possible to thrive and yeah. survive. You know what I mean? Because as the Trayvon thing showed, you never, I mean, you never know in life anybody, any sure. human being, but with African American males between about 15 and, you know, 25, it's just like yeah. prime time for getting God. Yeah. You know what I mean? It just is. I remember when I, when I got to be 18, you know, I was like, whoo, I'm 18. You know, mm-hmm. and I was 21, I was like, I'm 21. When I was 25, I was like, yeah. Yeah. I have made it. You never know. But when I got past yeah. 25, I was like, I am out of the danger zone. Not just from cops, from other black people, from crazy cats like the Zimmerman dude. Like a lot, of, a lot of things, you know? So my thing is like, you know, as African-American boy coming up, I was like, I need to make sure he has all the advantages. Because mm-hmm. you never know, but I want to make sure he can cut down his chances yeah. of getting got. And yeah. the best education is where it's at. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Um yeah, I don't yeah it's, that's kind of that's kind of long. kind of a long way of saying. No, that, no. Know? I mean,
0: it's you. You. You talked about a lot of the things that we've talked about oh. over the years, and we haven't got to talk about it for a while. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it's so complicated, you know. It's very and it's funny because I remember when when they when the babies were little you we were having this conversation and then uh and then Marla your wife said to me well just wait just yeah, wait yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and she was right to a large extent right. she was right it's not that my my fundamental views haven't changed mm-hmm. but it's it's complicated
1: right you know right.
0: and and some of the things are so um personal to your though your kids and your family and mm-hmm. and yourself so like the concerns you have particularly about Omar soul your your mm-hmm. son mm-hmm. um you know, I don't have those same concerns about Rosie. Mm-hmm, I have other mm-hmm. concerns about sure, Rosie. Sure, sure. Um, but so you know, some of those things, it's like I can I can totally get that. Right. Um, and
1: at the same time, just to cut you off. At the same time, it's hard because I feel like if you're poor, and this may be simplifying, I'm going to say it anyway. If you're poor or you're wealthy there are maybe less decisions on that level you have to make, I think. Well, you have less options. That's what I mean. Sure. Like, when I I grew up, I grew up pretty poor. So it's kind of like I went to the public school. I went to a Pan-African school for the first two, three years that was – I guess we paid tuition, but it wasn't, you know, I don't know, whatever, $20 a month. It wasn't, you know what I mean? Right. But from second grade on, I went to public school, and so we couldn't afford anything else, so my mom was like, make the best thing. You know, I, I read a lot, so I was able to get into the honors classes, and you know what I mean? Those, those tracks within the public school system, and yeah. a lot of after school stuff, because it was, you know, she was like, I ain't got 10000 you know, whatever, at that point, you know? I guess if you're rich, you have more options. I guess you still have to work out those things of ba- balancing diversity, that kind of stuff, but you can be like, I want to live in this neighborhood, and have him go to this fancy school. You know what I mean? Yeah. You can kind of do that. But I think if, you, again, I'm simplifying, but if you're middle class or work in the middle class, then it's like you have some resources, but you have to look at what that means. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I don't it. think
0: it's just about being poor. It's definitely about being just even, you know, working class, poor, middle class. Because, I right. mean, um, you know, I didn't, I didn't grow up especially poor, but we didn't have the money for private school. Right. Right. So it's right, like right. the options That's what are, I'm talking about. but also these today, the options are more than they were when we were kids also with the advent of charter schools and other sure, sorts of, sure. um, with the pushing of like choice and stuff like that, sure. a lot of systems. Um, but there was one thing that, that, that you said a couple of times that I wanted to come back to cause it's, mm. um, it's the thing that stands out for me, which is the most important thing is deciding what's the best educational situation for your for your children. Mm-hmm. And it seems obvious to me, you know, I nodded as you said that, mm-hmm. and it seems obvious to me that of, of course. Um but I don't think that's actually weirdly enough to mm-hmm. say, I don't think that's actually how I decide or think about how my mm-hmm. wife and I would make that decision because how do you if do I it? were to make that decision only on that alone. It's mm-hmm. like you were saying it's a lot of factors. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if I were to make that decision only on that alone, I would probably be um, sending her to Randolph, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. um, because of course, like Randolph embodies mm-hmm. a lot of the things that I am out there pushing mm-hmm, in my work, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. in terms of it being more project based and mm-hmm, child centered mm-hmm. and sure. encouraging creativity and all those things. Um, but you know, there are other factors. Some of them are things like, can you afford it? Mm-hmm. Some of the th- them are things like, you know, can can she go to a neighborhood school? So we walk Rosie to school mm-hmm, every day, mm-hmm. so she can go to school around the corner. And mm-hmm. well, how how important is that to you mm-hmm. on a just a convenience level? And then on, you know, maybe just a a thing about being in the neighborhood with the sure, school, so you make sure. friends who are in the neighborhood, absolutely, um, and things like that. But also for I, me, what it was was about um, do. As a family, do we make decisions about what we do based on based only on what's best for us That's right or do we make decisions based on what we feel like is the right thing? to do for everybody for That's our community right. for our, i'm not sure how far how far it extends and it's and this isn't like it's it feels i as totally I, get
1: it i know i totally get what it feels saying. so
0: self-righteous to say it uh, um because uh, right. i you know obviously there is real strict limits on that right i mean you know beacon has mediocre middle of the road schools um if they were horrible or unsafe i'd feel totally differently right. you know about right. about that um and the, the the diversity stuff that you were talking about but it, diversity i think is an interesting thing and i think mm-hmm. it's my view of it has changed over over the years too mm-hmm. that certainly the cultural ethnic diversity aspect of it is is one part of it mm-hmm. but also um like the how do i put this it's like what what is the message that i'm sending to my kid mm-hmm. like are we like everybody else? Are Mm -hmm. we like all our neighbors or Mm -hmm. or are we different? Do we separate ourselves? Mm -hmm. And to some extent, um, with, with all respect to to you and everybody else who sends their kids to Randolph, I get it. I feel like in some ways, like in a town like beacon where most of the people who go to Randolph are people who've moved to beacon in the past 10 years, five years. Um, and so it's like, there's this new beacon, old beacon thing, gentrification and all that. So it's like, so we want to live here and be part of the community. And, and make a new community right. within that community to right. some extent. and But we but we also want to separate ourselves <laughs> right, in this way, right. like culturally. No,
1: listen, I, hear, I totally hear what you're saying. I mean, these are some of the things that I wrestle with a lot. Um, I totally appreciate your honesty. I mean, there's a couple of things that come up for me. One is that um, this sense of community, you know, how committed are we to the community in this society where we move for a job or for a better house? You know, all the mm-hmm. things that you and I are also dealing with right yep. now, you know, yeah. how committed are we community? I mean, my mother's a little story after, you know, I got a little older. My younger sister, she sent her to Synergy. I don't have heard of Synergy. It's a pretty well-known school in San Francisco. Okay. Kind of like a Randolph-ish type thing, yeah. right? In the early 80s. Mm-hmm. You know, it was in the Fillmore district and it was pretty much all white, Mm -hmm. but real progressive value wise, that kind of stuff. So my mother, my mother decided to send my sister there and, you know, get a lot of financial aid and pay a little bit. I I went through the public tracks, but she's okay. This is getting crazy. It's getting through into the eighties. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Yeah. I'm going to go this way. So my mother really moved and and kind of fought and worked with them a lot to get it more diverse. Like Mm. when they went in, there was like, you know, two books of people of color in the library. Stuff that people didn't even realize that racism was just unconscious. They were really good progressive people. You know what I mean? So so here's the thing. So a, a few things changed, but not that much changed in my my sister's tenure at synergy but mm-hmm. a couple of years ago my friend muhammad was moving back to san francisco and they mm-hmm. went to the synergy open house and synergy now is hella diverse right they moved to the mission and i'm not saying that's just because my mother but i'm sure it was my mother and other parents over the years so a lot of times you come into a place and you're going to have an influence on mm-hmm. that school and on that institution mm-hmm. and a better community but your child may or may not see the fruits of that
0: right so the right. question is
1: is like but if you live in the community like i'm here i was born here i mean you know that's the extreme level i'm gonna be right. here my grandchildren are going to go here. That's a different kind of thing. But what kind of community um, support do you give that place? You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And how do you do it if you feel like, you know, I'm here, but in five years I might move to Dallas or, you know, New York City or wherever. You yeah. know, what does that mean? Yeah. So that's that's a tricky that's a tricky kind of challenge. The it other is. thing is I totally hear what you're saying. I mean, you know, not to diss it, but that, that whole movie Waiting for Superman, you know, mm-hmm. I had some issues with that movie, mm-hmm. you know, um, just to be quite honest because – it was a good movie, but I feel like the, 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 the brunt of it was on the teachers. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, he clearly opened the movie where he passed the public school and he went and dropped his children of the filmmaker mm-hmm. and dropped his children off at private school. And I'm like, you're not helping. This. That's a big part of it, too, because those parents that are going to private school, if they would go to public school, they'd be able to. Those are the ones that maybe have more time to be active in changing policy. You know right. what I mean? Those kind of things. Um, and you're making so it's not just the teachers it's also you taking your kids out there mm-hmm. you know but like at the same time it's kind of like you know you have to balance it like there's a couple of schools mm-hmm. public schools um, there's one in particular that I really really dug uh, in Dallas you mm-hmm. know what I mean um, That I was into, but then my wife, just to be honest, she was just like, you know, yeah, but you know that you know we went in, one kid was in a timeout she doesn 't like that methodology, and right you know what i mean so there 's yeah. other there 's other oh, things I do. Uh, even though this public school if, as far as public schools, this was a more alternative public school there 's chickens in the they have a chicken coop and they have a garden, <laughs> you know what I mean like yeah. you know it 's a little more, and you know but then you also have to live in that neighborhood uh-huh. and here 's the other thing like that i 'm trying to balance because i 'm not into like you know living in a neighborhood because the school's real good and is not ethnically and culturally diverse. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. One thing that I feel blessed with is growing up is that I feel like I can go into pretty much any kind of community, African-American, mm-hmm. Latino, and I can feel comfortable. You know what I mean? I'm not saying I'm all like, you know, you, know, you got to you know be mindful wherever you go, but yeah. I'm, I'm not afraid of my own people. Sure. And I feel like that is the challenge that some people who are people of color or whatever, if they're raised in mostly white circles, they, they, then they have to go back to – A middle class or poor African American neighborhood, to where, and they don't really understand how to, you know, mean Mm -hmm. what that is, and I don't want that either for your kids. Yeah, because that's very dangerous. Yeah, to to not to you know the old saying of like you can't be afraid of your own people. Like I'm not afraid of my own people. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like I I work in in rough so called rough neighborhoods all the time. Mm -hmm. You know I'm very that's part of who I am. So I don't want that either. You know what I mean? So we're trying to work it out. It's interesting. In Dallas, there's a one neighborhood that's that's really amazing. It's a lot of blacks and Latinos. It's kind of being gentrified, but it's not really completely gentrified at mm-hmm. all. So it's an interesting balance of like, you know, you know, old Mexican men playing dominoes. And my, my wife is Mexican. You know what I mean? I love that. You know, black folks, um, health food stores. It's really great. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's a real nice balance on that level. Great houses. But the public schools are really not good. Like mm-hmm. there's some, You know, they're really not good. So. Yeah. What does that mean? It's not even like they're, they're like really bad. Like people are like, you know, don't send your kids. Even kids, t- teachers that work there like, oh, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah. it's kind of like it's a balance. You know, how much you're into the community and how much do you want to – yeah, but then what's good for your children? But like I said, I just, I just kind of felt like I just came to a thing. And I had, I had a big struggle with it, but I just came to a thing for my, my daughter and my son. It's like, you know what? I need to give them the overall best. Mm-hmm. And then, even if sometimes I feel it's contradictory, or I have some guilt issues around it as my work as an activist because I can't sacrifice their opportunities. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's so funny because so I just said, have to do my good work other ways. It's not. Yeah. It's not all. It's not. It's not all. Yeah, it's complex. You know what uh, I mean. Yeah, there's, and there's they, and, and who there. they
0: become is is much more than their their formal schooling absolutely you know but it's funny you said um you feel you may feel a little bit guilty because it's on one side or it's on the other because right on the one hand you know i can go out and proudly say well you know my kids go to public schools you know and not be worried about and this has happened to me at um at presentations and right. stuff where I'm talking about things and someone will raise their hand and say, "Well, where do you send your kids?" Right, man? right. And if I, you're like, "I'm public school. It, yeah, <laughs> I'm good. Like <laughs> public school. You can't. You don't. You know, you, right. there's no room for an attack on that. Right, right. On that front, you know. Um, but on the other hand, um, you know, when I when we run into each other and I say, "How are the kids? How's school?" Oh, it's great. We love right, it. They're right, doing right. this and that. Um, and then you say, well, how, "How's Rosie and how's school?" Well, Rosie's great. I mean, right, of course right. she's doing great. Right, right. She's four. I mean, right. she's sure, going to sure. do great. Um, but the school itself, right. you know, I almost wish that, that Marla had come with you to have, right, right, right. um, she can get some, maybe a little bit of satisfaction out of this, right, right. you know? Um, yeah, I mean that it's, you know, I think I might've talked about this before on please speak freely that there, you know, we went in for our first parent teacher meeting and she sat us down and, and gave us this little chart. Of all of the letters, lowercase and uppercase, that 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 Rosie can recognize, they right. like, test her on. You know, she's showing us. Well, she can recognize a lowercase c, but not an uppercase c. And I'm like, they are the same letter, right? Right. I mean, so w- what are you? And what are you talking ready for that about? Yeah. Even- and why are we? Ta- why are we talking yeah. like this? And then, and then the behavior stuff. I mean, um, it was just this weekend. Yeah. I was. I said something to Rosie that she didn't want me to say, and her reaction was she put her hand over my mouth. And said, "Shut it." And right. and then she immediately. I looked at her like, I, I guess, like kind of like, "Are you crazy?" Right, like you know, like I didn't say that. I didn't say anything. I just looked, just just looked at her like, "What?" Because it's out of character for her. Sure, you know? sure. And and then she looked embarrassed, kind of mortified right away. Like she she did it without thinking, and then. Um, and I said, where did you get that? Because mm-hmm. it was clear that she had got it from somewhere. Mm-hmm. She, mm-hmm. And she said, um, my teacher does that. Mm-hmm. My teacher does that to Amari. Now, Amari, she, Rosie talks about Amari a lot. Amari mm-hmm. is is a little African-American mm-hmm. kid in the class mm-hmm. who is the sweetest kid, super talkative. Mm-hmm. I went in and was a, a story reader one day. Mm-hmm. and Amari has a million questions and a million mm-hmm. things to say. And Amari is constantly getting scolded. I mean, constantly getting mm-hmm. scolded. And he's... Ma- he's um, He's vilified by the teacher in some ways. She tries to be nice about it. She's a preschool teacher teacher, so everything she says is with this smile. But she puts her hand on Amari's mouth and so says, Shut, shut it. it, you know? And, and what is that gonna to
1: do to a child at that? See
0: And and so I asked yeah. Rosie, you know, has, does she ever do that to you? No, because I'm good. She right. does it to Amari because Amari's bad, and I'm constantly talking to her about Amari. Like I like Amari because he's got a lot to say, and right. I was when I was a little kid, I had a lot to say, right, and I right. would also get shushed, you know. So we talk about we talk about that to try to get and and Rosie does have that capacity to understand what's happening
1: to yeah, Amari yeah, in her yeah. own
0: way. So we we can talk about that, but I see that happening, and I see, um, you know, I see the nuances of it too because Rosie's having a different experience than Amari is. He's still a happy go lucky kid, right? But this is pre K right you know and What's as he moves a few up years yeah. and this isn't a school that is yeah. that is diverse yeah, yeah you know? um, you. so i see you know I, I see that and i see some of the just ridiculous like she gets homework she's in you know she's in pre-k she gets homework she you know just the, the the ridiculous things um that happen in the school or even just you know the fact this silly little mundane things like if they can't go outside they watch a movie like, why well, they gotta watch a movie just because the weather's bad? Like, <laughs> right, right. You know, and the, the the TV is way up at the top of the wall, and Rosie's neck hurts every time because she's yeah, yeah, yeah. just things that just it doesn't have to be like that. Yeah. But the school, it's based on like behavior points and all this stuff that makes my head want to yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. fall off because it's so against my yeah, understanding yeah. of how kids learn and and how people yeah. should be treated. Yeah. You know, and I and I know that that stuff's not happening. At Randolph. It's a no. whole other set of issues that had right. that keeps me from Randolph. You know? Yeah,
1: for me, for me, the main the main thing now, because like I said, the, the school has gotten pretty diverse. Yeah. In a short period of time. That's a yeah. big one for me. Yeah. I mean, I don't really, you know, I'm not interested in them going to school and it's ninety five percent white. I'm right. not interested in that. That brings up a whole, whole you know what I mean? And that's that's really tricky. But the main thing at this point, you know, we're moving now, but if we were to continue at Randolph, the main thing is just you know, pri- You know, it's more. It's more money. Sure. And and then also just you know, at what point should it be more academic? You know, what I mean, just yeah. all those questions. But, but
0: but but all this kind of parallels anyway. your your bigger picture sort of concerns about your work that, sure. you, that you were that you were talking about. And so you um you've done you've done a lot of different things in your career, right? So you've you've been hip hop artist. Yeah. Um, you just going out and doing shows and making records, and and you've been you've done. Um, high end theater. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you're uh, the the seven. You're the seven, the seven. Fetch Clay
1: and kind of like more the, like Off Broadway into commercial type. Yeah, yeah. Like that,
0: and so. and this is stuff that um you know for the listeners that you look up willpower, look up the seven, look mm-hmm. up um, Fetch Clay, Make Man. Mm-hmm. these are things that are um you know have gotten a lot of acclaim and in the world and a lot of you know popular media. You are on Stephen Colbert. You're on mm-hmm. Bill Moyers. Mm-hmm. Um, so y- in some ways, when when you take maybe i'll I'll be clumsy about the way i ask this or say it but forgive me um (coughs) when you when you take the hip-hop um ethos Mm -hmm. and you and you you start applying that to Mm -hmm. what's considered high culture Mm -hmm, and you mm -hmm. start applying it at the level of um higher education Mm -hmm. and also you've done international work Mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. around sort of almost almost diplomatic work in a cultural yeah definitely um, sense um cultural ambassador state State department yeah yeah Yeah. um to me that maybe this is a stretch Mm. but to me that really parallels this conversation that we're having right now
1: yeah about our kids yeah Yeah. well it does i mean in 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 a way i mean definitely i mean the aspect of bringing hip hop internationally not so much because you know hip hop is global so i can come in and kind of kind of do my thing. You know but you're mean? there
0: on the State Department. It's right, one thing to right, tour. Right, right. Well, that's the you thing. You know what I mean? Here's but it's Here's another thing. thing to be
1: there representing a- the State Department. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's really funny, man. And it's this whole question of of revolution or reform. Hmm. You know what I mean? Now, obviously, they're connected. When you're a revolutionary, there is some reform. You're a reformist. Here. But what does it mean? The more you work in the system, the more it's about reform. Hmm. You know, like my grandfather was a reformer, you Mm -hmm. know, he worked in, in, um, you know, community programming education and he did like a lot of politics in New York City, you know, great man, reformer. You know, my parents, my mother, my father early on, they were really, you know, into revolution, like SNCC, they were on the front, you know, and they communist party and all that kind of stuff, you know. So it's an interesting thing. And I think that that's something that that I've also, also actually have recently kind of resolve for the most part in me a little bit but it's still actually not really cuz it still kind of comes up you know yeah. it's like this there's a there's a theater group called the Free Southern Theater mm-hmm. which was a really kind of radical theater group from the 60s and 70s that was basically a theater group in the south that started as a as a part of SNCC and they would go around doing shows to kind of empower African-Americans in the South, right? Mm-hmm. It was a, it was an integrated group. And then it became kind of all black through like the back black power thing, right? So w- I'm teaching a class on radical theater at the University of Massachusetts. So that's one of the groups we're studying. And so we're looking at the legacy and how some of those initial people from the theater, uh, theater what they're doing now. So there's one guy, his mm-hmm. name is John O'Neill. He's like, he's been one of my mentors. He's like a real great storyteller, theater artist. He's one of the founders of it, right? So I, um, so he, after, after Free Southern Theater Um, disbanded. He went on and does continue uh, similar work. He he accepts grants and that kind of stuff. But he does like you know community organizing. You know he tours. He's you know he's he does performances at festivals. What's really like that kind of thing, right? Yeah. And so I called him I was like how's it going he's like oh, I try to get this funded you know what I mean yeah. you can hear the it, maybe he just had a bad morning but the struggle at that at that time yeah. with when you take that trajectory and continue that kind of work at that you know what I mean mm-hmm. that that level he's just like oh just like right so then there's another guy named James Cromwell which is a pretty well known actor he was an artist mm-hmm. and stuff like that okay. and he started in the free southern theater too and so there's a 10 minute excerpt of, of him speaking at a TED conference and he's talking about oh, we were in the free southern theater and you know he still he was and still is a, a progressive guy He was like we were out there you know we were doing this and like you know opening people's minds and learning them it was just you know he's like and now he's like i work in an industry hollywood and you can see mm-hmm. him struggle mm-hmm. with the fact that he still has these progressive values but he works in an industry that is not always you know what i mean conducive yeah. to that kind of thing as far as like the story and the art and the activism <clears throat> so those are both models you know what, yeah. what i mean so i think it's kind of like how you want to struggle like they're both like james cromwell He he's a vegetarian he donates to a lot of causes he uses influences money in that way john o'neill is making a living you know what i mean mm-hmm. but he has his own challenges so i think all that to say that you know when i go to a conference and i speak or perform like at um the boys and girls club of america or even more like you know this one the national guild for community arts and education mm-hmm. or that kind of stuff i'm amongst my people you know yeah. And a lot of them aren't doing like if I'm like yeah I'm doing this it might go to Broadway it's like oh it's like it's, that's not where they are but I'm connected to that and then when I'm in those those kind of circles and like someone's like you know we got another juicy commercial production and that kind of <laughs> stuff you know I'm connected to that as well yeah you know what I mean and if I'm talking about you know like I'm doing such and such they're like oh yeah cool oh yeah, yeah, progressive work yeah it's great uh-huh. you know what I mean but is it so, like is it
0: like really like cool or is it like oh good for you you know doing it's like it's, it's is it condescending or no is no, it no like they, they
1: resp- no, I feel like they actually they, respect it. They respect it, but it's not something that they are passionate or into. Right. right. It's like if I'm in like the so called social activist circles and I'm like, yeah, I got this piece, you know, we're trying to take it to Broadway. They're like, oh, Broadway, cool. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just not what, they're, it's not what they're into, you know? Yeah. And I guess for me, I'm the kind of artist, and the kind of artists I'm trying to teach are the kind that can can be great storytellers and great artists and great activists, and whatever medium they want to take it into, Mm -hmm. they will keep that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So if they go into commercial theater, they keep that sense of activism. Maybe that's donating $100,000 to progressive causes or doing more progressive work within that commercial realm, even though that's challenging. You know what I mean? Or if they want to perform just in after-school centers, it's not like, and I don't mean this condescendingly, but it's not like they're like... You know, I'm the community artist, and you really don't really know what you're doing craft wise. Just real positive, you know what I mean? Like, no, right. yo, you're going into Detroit, you're going to these places, and you really know your craft as a great storyteller. You're choosing mm-hmm. to go there, but mm-hmm. it's not because you can't work at other places. You mm-hmm. know, and mm-hmm. for me, it's it, it's not always a clear, neat package who I am or the kind of work I do. Like you said, mm-hmm. there's been t- you know, there's been time I've been working in shanty towns, and I've been in like you know, like projects teaching workshops or whatever and then i've been at you know great halls or like you know a few months ago i was at this I performing at this place it was like it was like 30 people and i'll say about 20 of them were like multi-millionaires and about 10 12 of them were like billionaires <laughs> and i'm performing that's the one percent I mean? theater huh one percent theater yeah right, yeah right yeah one percent theater <laughs> and it was me performing with them and it was like one or two people of color that was but they weren't the rich people and then it was like you know the, the help was black you know what i mean and right. it's like i was doing it but there was a purpose for me to do that there was a need there and then i might also be you know like in camden doing some stuff where it's like you know i was doing something in camden a couple years ago where it was like you know the school the performing art school was across the street from two crack houses not one but two why you need two crack houses you know what i mean competition yeah right yeah i
0: never heard that the, the two crack houses Down on the, the break, same block yeah. Yeah. yeah
1: anyway so that is tricky that is a tricky balance you know um and i haven't figured out the answer but the, all I know is that they both excite me and I'm not exactly sure what they're supposed to mean because I'm in it mm-hmm. you know like I look back on my life 15-20 years ago and I see myself doing stuff like before hip-hop theater was even around I'm like hey, I'm doing hip-hop theater and teaching workshops well that don't make no sense what, what was the point but now I look back and I can see what the foundations we were trying to leave for now, a lot of like spoken word or hip hop, th- uh, hip hop artists that do in theater. And, you know, that kind of stuff is more like it's a language that wasn't that exist then. We were just creating right. that I- that idea of not hip hop activism, but hip hop within performing arts and activism. You know what I mean? So I guess what I'm doing now, I feel like hopefully if I keep listening to my intuition as an artist and as an activist, as I get older, I can look back and it can make sense what I was what I was doing. Yeah. Because I, yeah. I, I hear you. Sometimes I'm, sometimes I'm, just, sometimes I'm just like, I don't, I don't, it don't make sense to me. Yeah. You know? That's, does that make sense? Like, it is. It does. And I'm just going to catch up, but it yeah. also comes into like, you know, the same question. Why am I not just like, not just, but like, why am I not running a, a, a community theater thing in the hood? Like, why am I not doing that? You know, is that the most important thing? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? But then, uh, there's this other side of me that's like, this is imp- critical, important work too. Mm-hmm. But I haven't fully figured out why.
0: You know what I mean? Yeah, it's actually a helpful way anyway. to think about it too. Because I, you know, I've been struggling with some similar things. First mm-hmm. of all, the, the questioning: Why am I doing this? Like, what, mm-hmm. like just this podcast is one thing that mm-hmm. just like this takes a lot of work, and nobody mm-hmm. asked me to do it. Nobody's paying mm-hmm. me to do it. Mm-hmm. So why am I doing this? And like just having some faith that down the road I'll look back and see why I was doing mm-hmm. it. Not mm-hmm. not so much because it'll become something big, mm-hmm. but because it'll have been a necessary part of a path mm-hmm. for me or for others. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but the, the larger thing that, that really sparks for me that that's a helpful way to think about it is um, this sort of balance you have to strike between what kind of impact are you trying to have? And are you trying to have this big, broad impact in the world mm-hmm. or like a deep impact in a, in a, in a place? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and cause I, I, I struggle with the same thing. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I started out working in community organizations that are neighborhood based Mm -hmm. that are, um, you know, you stay there and you do the work there and Mm -hmm. you don't necessarily get a lot of attention for it. You don't necessarily get even to innovate that much beyond Mm -hmm. your work with your group, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. but then, and it can be, it's it's obviously important work and it can be really fun work and it can be really satisfying. It can also feel really limited because mm-hmm. you just day after day, you're in this little place. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so you want to have a broader impact. And what that brings you into is these institutional settings mm-hmm. or more commercial settings yeah, yeah. Or, or places where you have a broad impact but it's really light. Like you right. were talking about going around doing workshops here and there or yeah, doing yeah. a week here, a week yeah, there. Yeah. Um, and so it sounds to me like – you're looking for that balance. And, yeah, that's I, right. and I and that's I recognize right. that. That's right.
1: And let me just say two quick things on, on, on what you just said. One thing is also, you know, getting older. Like I, I I was you know, another group that I'm studying in this in this class I'm teaching on radical theater is Teatro Campesino, which was a theater group that was founded as a um, an outgrowth of the UFW, United Farm oh, workers okay. you know what I mean, yeah. and they started doing theater on the trucks. Mm-hmm. I mean, just deep grassroots type kind of stuff. And so the woman that wrote this book on them, this book was written now in the '90s, and she was she was she's really critical of when the group started to go more commercial mm-hmm. in like the late '70s. They made Zoot Suit, you know what I mean? Okay. And then after that, it just became like it just broke up, you know, and like a couple of them became like the commercial cast, you know. Do and she became real critical. But I'm like, you know, they also talked about in the '60s this group. Like they never had any money I don't mean being rich A lot of times they had to like Some of them had to like Steal food Or or barter food You know what I mean they, One time they They had this place And they had nowhere to leave or they slept on the stage For three days You know what I wow. mean yeah. So when you're 21, 22 That's mm-hmm. one thing right. you know, When you're like 40, 45 You know, you might want to call it selling out, but it's like, you don't want to live like that no more. You have children, they have needs. And also you want to be able to, you know, get your teeth fixed or, you know what I mean? Your cousin's (laughs) doing something in, in, like, I got certain family members that are like, they want to go visit someone they don't have the money to. You don't want Mm -hmm. to be like that. I want to come visit you, but I ain't got the dough. I don't think there's nothing righteous about being broke in that way. Right. You know what I mean? So then the question becomes, without selling out and keeping to your integrity, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. You know, and that's a delicate, that's a delicate balance, you know? Um... The other thing is, the other thing is that when I'm in the more mainstream venues, ventures and venues, or if I'm working more in a community thing, once I get in the room, it's all pure and all mm. tight. Like, I got to deal with some stuff over here, like dealing with, like, mainstream and lots of stuff I want to bore people with. It's just, it's it's it's, it's like work. That, that right. whole thing is work. But once I get into the room with those artists, whether you call them commercial artists, those artists are amazing. You know what I mean? Like, it's like a Michael Jackson or something. Michael Jackson's commercial, but he has you know yeah. it's the same thing here I mean I guess there are probably some commercial artists that are kind of surface but a lot of them have the surface but they also have these levels and they're doing that because they choose so when you get in the room it's like wow same thing over here like I might have to deal with okay the check is supposed to be on Monday you know what I mean so, you know something like that or, you know, they, they didn't pick you up or whatever you know you come into the, the workshop and the sound system broke or, you mm-hmm. know what I mean whatever it's so all this stuff you're like man I'm to do this but once the work starts with that community it's on so I think the work is still pure and just in in all those areas in my life Mm -hmm. it's just the things that's what it is for me it's more the things around both of them yeah like i'm tired of dealing with that you know i gave you my writer why the sound system why you ain't got to have a sound system oh benny was supposed to bring it you know what i mean i'm tired of that (laughs) tell benny to bring the sound system to the gym so we can do the workshop you know well he ain't around like i'm i don't like dealing with that Mm -hmm. Uh. and same thing over here some of the commercial things are like you know you know we need a star for this so we got it you know i'm like man it's just you know ah but once we get in the room the work has never felt that way. And I guess mm-hmm. that's the thing. I guess that's the thing for me. The work must drive it the, in the room. And once that starts feeling uncomfortable, I guess that's something I have to really mm-hmm. – but as long as I have, it's just stuff I have to deal with around it, uh, it's, I can do it. Yeah. And it makes sense. Yeah. Well,
0: man, you, you got a lot going on. Um You're doing some exciting things. And it seems like exciting. this um this opportunity at, at SMU in Dallas is really going to give you – um, it gives you the opportunity to strike that balance because you, you're going to have – you're going to be able to hold down this stability with this yeah. professor
1: gig yeah. and be
0: able to still travel, still do other That's things. The idea. And,
1: That's interesting that you kind of kind of turn over those same questions in your mind. You know, I really do and I really have
0: been a lot lately and um, I don't know. Maybe it's funny because uh, – I'm, I'm so encouraging of people to speak so freely in this, and there's a little place in my mind right now that's like, are you going to edit this out later? Because <laughs> right, right, uh, right, right, right. you know I've been struggling with, do I, do I want to have a bigger impact than I'm having right now? Like I've been able to carve out this really comfortable situation mm-hmm. where I have my own organization mm-hmm. and we're able to do really cool work working mm-hmm. with different community organizations and schools mm-hmm. um projects from project to project mm-hmm. some are longer term contracts but mm-hmm. it's all supporting you know young people out mm-hmm. of school um and and it's great but it's limited mm-hmm. because we're for the most part besides some of the work that we do we're we're a few steps removed from where the work really happens um and you mean like
1: you, in the in the room like, yeah like yeah. we're
0: I mean it depends on what room right. Right. So, right, so like right, we're right. doing a workshop with educators. The work there is happening in that room. Got it, but, got it. But, but they, we're removed from the it, work with it. young people. Understand. But also that's the, even not exactly what mm-hmm. I mean. Because I've come to terms I've come to terms with that because mm-hmm. of the same thing that you said about empowering people who are gonna go sure, out there. That's right. Um, and you can have a bigger, you know, broader impact mm-hmm. that way. But it's more about having like a constituency, like feeling mm-hmm. like you have you know, a team that you're a part of that you can really move something forward mm-hmm. and really um, focus and be able to change the culture of something. Not, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't have any hope that I'm going to be able to, you know, change the culture, the whole culture.
1: Why not? But I mean, to,
0: I mean you, you, everyone has to do their part, right? You know what I mean? Like, if I can change the culture of one section, one one right. corner, and and you could change the one corner, then right. together we we That's will right. change That's the whole right. culture, but in this um freelance kind mm-hmm. of existence mm-hmm. where you float around you do different things it's great on one hand because mm-hmm. you don't mm-hmm. have anyone breathing down your neck you make your own hours mm-hmm. and as long as you can make a living which can sometimes be tenuous but right as yeah, long yeah, as you yeah. can make a living you're good but um but you know with with me it's like do i if there's an opportunity a leadership opportunity somewhere do i look towards it do i look to start a new chapter at some point and what
1: would that be what would that what would that be in your line of work it's tricky, you know. because would it be like running a, a major nonprofit that does this kind of work? Would it technically?
0: Be- it would be. It would be right. a position like that. But my problem is, is that um, I don't. M- most organizations, I don't really want that position. I don't mm-hmm. want the position where I have to be the lead administrator, or I have to be mm-hmm. the lead fundraiser. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's tricky. I think figuring out what that is, and then the other thing is, um, maybe that position doesn't exist yet. You Mm -hmm. know, maybe there's Mm -hmm. something, maybe we're talking about something that still needs to be built. And that's that's why your way of looking at it, like, you know, you're not exactly sure why Mm -hmm. everything is happening Mm -hmm. the way it's happening right now, Mm -hmm. but you'll be able to look back and see that it was leading towards something.
1: That's right. And I think it's helpful. That's right. And I think as, as you keep doing your work and opportunities come, whether that be with your own company or something that comes, you'll know. Like with this Dallas thing, I knew. You yeah, know what I mean, there was a couple times I was like, I don't know, because UMass offered me something, I you know, but but I knew deep inside, I was like, you know what, this is a great opportunity, and yeah. and I came to that point, like you just said too, it's like I want to keep the freelance thing, but also like this is like there's a lot of work to be done in Dallas, like mm-hmm. there, there there's people doing good work there, but it's like a lot of poverty, a lot of segregation, and yet there's a lot of resources there, and I'm going to be coming in at the college where all the people with resources go and send their kids. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And so I feel like ideally, I haven't happened yet, but ideally I'll be able to access some of that. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then still have a thing to do nationally. So that's what I'm hoping, you know, uh, maybe it's just also like our stage in life. Maybe like at this stage in life, you know, we start thinking about, we're already thinking about foundations, but we start thinking about like what you just said. Okay. What is that? What does that mean? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, I don't know. <laughs> my my wife my wife was like my wife was like you know uh, if, you if you were if you supposed to be doing that community you know that kind of thing you would have done it already she's like there's already people doing that in the Bay Area people you came up with because I was like I was like man I should go back to Bay Area you know mm-hmm. start up a you know like a upper room type you know for, she's like but well, people are already doing that their own thing with that you know yeah. you doing something that's needed they're doing something that's already d- being done at that in that place you yeah. know what yeah. I mean yeah so I feel like that's the other thing too I, I feel like I, my spirit I try to look for things that like needs that aren't even a lot of my pieces are like that too. Like my, my plays that I write, there are things that excite me, but also there's things I'm like, you know what? I would like to see that. I, if I was, I would like to buy a ticket for that play, that mm. idea, mm-hmm. you know, or a position like, you know, like you said, this position hasn't exist or this hasn't happened. If I feel like there's four or five or six or whatever, people doing a similar type thing, like yeah, I don't know if it's if I, being done. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm the kind of person that like, how do I do feel something that's not really being filled that much yeah. that speaks to me, you know? And that's kinda of what I've been I've been feeling a lot.
0: Well, Will, I wanna thank you for being on Please Speak Freely. This has been awesome. Yeah, yeah man. Was really that an hour talking wow, to man. you? Maybe, yeah, not quite, but almost. Yeah, but, um, yeah, yeah. but is there, are
1: you are you performing anywhere, doing anything that people might want to know well, about? Well, I it? did this thing at Vassar, which was awesome. That was local. I'm oh, sorry I missed it. No, no, it's all good. That was yeah. fun because I you know, it's another thing because I grew up as a community artist performing in community, but now I do stuff everywhere but where I'm at. You yeah, I mean? so this is the first yeah. time I really got the chance to really perform. I mean, I could have done some stuff like, you know, a cafe or something, but as far as like a college gig, you know, workshop, that kind of way in right. locally, which really got nice. I just did something at the boys and girls club of America. I like spoke at the national conference. That was awesome. with teenagers. Oh, great. That was great. Yeah. Um, I got a lot of stuff coming up, man. I think people just check my website, willpower.tv. Okay. It has different things up there. I'm going back to Asia in May and, um, yeah, I got a couple of pieces coming into New York next year and, uh. A lot of exciting things, man. Just trying to hold it all. That's the thing. You know, trying yeah. to do my work. You know, there's a lot of good opportunities coming um, now. And then just put balance with the family time. And just, it's a, it's a tricky balance, you know? You're doing it. Yeah, we're You're trying to it. do it. All right, thanks, Will. Thank you, man. <Billy>